This show is a proud member of the Nerdy Legion Podcast Network. Get more at nerdylegion.com. Enjoy the show! Welcome to episode fill in the blank. <laughs> uh, maybe that's what we should do with all our podcasts. Have the listener just number come up with their own number. That's not a bad idea. That's actually <laughs> why we don't use episode numbers on Nerdy Legion. Right. Because oftentimes we'll record something and then release them out of order. So, yeah. The only one that I usually do episode numbers for, well, that I've always done it for, is uh, Aftershock or The Valiant Central. Because we don't record those ahead of time. You see what I mean? Right. We record them as they come out. But like Nerd Legion, yeah. And uh, I had to change the way I'm recording I Am Gotham for the same reason. Because like, so for example, today, I recorded three this morning. I'm going to do like two more episodes. And then we have this one that I'm recording. So, all I'm recording is, like, the actual content section. And then right. whenever I decide to release it, I'll do an intro, and that's that. That's not a bad idea. We may try that with BOTR, because, I mean, we've been releasing them as we do it, so, but mm -hmm. there's no reason that we'd have to. That, and we're, like, two ahead right now. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Anyways, this is some kind of episode of I Am Gotham. And uh, Jay is joining me again because we have nothing better to do. So, uh, you know, we podcast. Yes, sir. We are talking about uh, another episode of Batman the Animated Series. I don't know how uh, people's reactions are to the first episode because that has not yet been released. Well, we're going to assume that it was, you know, quite well received. I mean, it was awesome, right? So there's that. Absolutely. There's that. Uh, and actually, you know what? I should have released that today because today is the 25th anniversary of Batman the Animated Series. It, you're right. It is. I had, mm -hmm. September 5th. I had neglected to make that connection. Yep. And I was just looking at it this morning. Yep. So I might just need to uh, release it tonight or tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Works. Uh, 25 years. 25 years. Long time. Long time. But, uh, yeah, so so we're still trying to figure out how we're going to be discussing these. And I think you and I decided we're going to continue with the release order of the uh, collected editions. Which is not yeah. quite the release order of the episodes. No, it's not. It's somewhat, somewhat changed. And I, I would be curious, I don't know who I would, who would talk to, I'd be curious to know what thinking process went into in ordering these on the DVDs as, and why they were somewhat different than what's released mm -hmm. and the air dates on that. Yeah, it's weird because I, I was trying to figure it out. So I, so I did a search and I couldn't find anywhere that said anything about why they chose this order. So so I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. And then the thing is, um, it's, it's kind of weird actually because so in the first one that we did on Leather Wings – there was a brief appearance of Robin in the episode we'll be discussing today, which is Christmas with the Joker. The Robin plays heavily into the episode. And, Correct. but, but in, in terms of the actual release date of the series, Robin didn't come in till the latter part of the series. 
because Bruce Tim and company didn't want to have Robin in the series. Correct. They wanted it to be solely a Batman story, so there was going to be no Robin, um, no Dick Grayson at all, if I remember correctly. I don't um, think so, yeah. They weren't going to have like the cast of characters. It was going to be pretty much like a, a Batman and Gordon story. Um, and that kind of fell by the wayside, I guess, because the pilot did so well that the studio wanted it to be a, a more typical Batman story, I guess. So, as a result, if you're watching this in the order that we're talking about them, Robin does play a big role in a lot of these early episodes. Which is yes. fine, because that's how it was in the comics, you know? Yeah, I mean, that's it's not a problem. It's just, it's it's odd the way they, some of their ordering seems a little strange. And it's could be confusing to somebody who's not seen the series before. It's like, okay, Robin's in one episode. He's not in the next two, mm-hmm. but then he comes back. And then, so it's... Um... Yeah, it is weird. And in particular with this episode, it's weird because um, there was already... One previous Joker episode. No, two. There were two Joker episodes before this Christmas special. Right. And the first one actually introduces the Joker quite a bit better than this episode does. Because it it seems to me that this automatically assumes you know who the Joker is. It does. There's a lot different about this this episode seems sort of one-off from the whole rest of the series to me in a number of ways. It's not as, you know, even though this was definitely, you know, primarily a kid's show, it was something that would appeal to all ages, certainly mm-hmm. in adults. And, you know, the, the, we talked a little bit about in the first episode about sort of the somber mood of it, the darkness and showing Batman as this brooding character. And, you know, there was this very... Which is very typical of the comics. Yep. This is this episode is... It's lighthearted. It's silly in places. It's... Does a lot, it does a lot. It just goes... It's definitely like a Christmas episode. You, you know, you think... Okay, they kind of threw out the, the typical way we're writing this and just wrote this to have fun and so it just it doesn't feel the same to me as the other episodes in 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 the tone of it at all well there's there's a couple things about that so this episode is a lot like something you would find in an annual in a comic right where usually well this was not always the case because there there was a time where annuals actually played into the uh the overall story um but but a lot of the times, the annuals don't have to do with whatever the continuity is at the time they're published, right? Right. They're kind of like a, a fill-in issue in a fifth week sometime towards the end of the year. Or like maybe during a, a time where there's not much going on, right? So no events or anything like that. And and, and this, this episode is a lot like that. And, uh, you know, kind of going to what you're saying... A lot of the episodes were written and directed by people that came back quite often to do those episodes. And Christmas with the Joker is actually the only episode written and directed. Well, let me rephrase that. The the writer and director never appeared again. This is the only episode they did. 
Okay. Okay. And I wonder if some of that has to do with the fact that it does feel a little out of place. You know, although surely like Bruce Tim would have a handle on this thing, right? You would think that they would have control over it. I mean, they wouldn't just take whatever the scriptwriter gave them. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. It's weird. It's weird. Uh, I don't. Know. I just really thought that it was sort of the, of the mindset. Okay, this is a Christmas issue. We're going to be a little bit lighter with it, a little bit more fun, a little bit more silly. Well, and I, I, I think I like that. I think I like that. Um, so there, there's quite a few early Batman stories that were very lighthearted. And there's there's a lot of humor coming out of Batman. And, and in this particular episode, there is that seriousness, and we'll get to that because there's some, some jokes about Christmas. Right. There is that seriousness, but the way he delivers those lines, the way that Kevin Conroy delivers the lines, give it a little bit of sense of humor, even through the stuff that should be taken more seriously. And you know, part of the reason could be that it's it's a Joker episode, and so, you know, maybe they they want to play up a little bit on the Joker, and it's actually pretty convenient. So because it's the 25th anniversary today, there's been some articles online published about the history of Batman the Animated Series, and I'm sure you know this. Some people might not. Mark Hamill is not originally going to be the Joker. No, originally it's supposed to be Tim Curry who had recently finished doing the It miniseries, Stephen King's It. He was... Uh, what, what's the clown's name? Pennywise. Pennywise. There you go. I should know that, because I think that movie comes out... Isn't it next week? The week after? Pretty I soon. I'm not, I haven't followed, but I, it's coming out pretty soon, yeah. I know. We watched the trailer again last night, because my wife loves Stephen King, so uh, I'll be going to see that. But, um, yeah, so Tim Curry was originally going to be the Joker, and... I mean, everyone liked his performance, but apparently it was extremely dark. And it just so happened that as they were going to start recording some of these episodes with the Joker in them, Tim Curry got the flu or like strep or something where he couldn't talk. And so they quickly had to find somebody to replace him. And Mark Hamill had been doing Broadway at the time. He was doing Amadeus on Broadway. And... Yeah, I'll just read the quote. It says, I've been playing Amadeus for almost a year on the road. On those shows, you can't change the words, but I would play around with the laugh. Because of the play, I had an arsenal of laughs for the Joker. So that's kind of interesting. Like He he actually thought that they were not going to hire him because he was Luke Skywalker. Right. He thought that would be too much of a disconnect with people that think this... He played this iconic hero... And they're not going to cast him in this role as a villain. Correct. Correct. But, you know, he went and he auditioned and they really liked what he did, particularly because of the laughs. And I think it's because of the fact that he had been doing Broadway for a few years that it really helped set the the type of voice that he used for the Joker. Because of of all the characters in the animated series, the Joker is the most lyrical in the way that he talks. You know, like if you if you pay attention to it, it there, there's a rhythm to it. You know, 
the uh, the ups and downs of the voice, when his voice cracks, when he goes really high pitched, uh, it, it's very lyrical, and I find that fascinating. That this guy, I mean, like I think growing up, all I ever knew Mark Hamill for was uh, Luke Skywalker, and it it seems like he would almost be like one of those guys that gets typecast to be nothing else but a Luke Skywalker type. And that's tough for an actor because as you get older, you can't just play a dumb kid who's the hero, right? You need to find different roles for yourself. And what what series of fortunate events for him that would lead him to play the Joker? And I, I think for, for anybody that's... Even if you've never seen the animated series, there's there's been so much influence on his take on the Joker that I think that has bled into other movies and other series and even into the comics. I think so. I think you're correct on that. It, but, but the other thing that kind of I thought about and he was talking about, wasn't sure how people were going to accept him is this role. And I'm thinking, especially with younger audience, with the kids, did they even really know he was doing this? Because you look at this episode and they show the credits at the end and they just flash past and it shows the you know the the cast on the credits mm-hmm. and it's up there for less than a second and if you're not really paying attention you don't know who's doing what <laughs> i mean you, seriously you've got yeah. to kind of almost pause pause the dvd to see who's in the playing in the roles so i mean it's possible that a lot of people didn't even know that this was mark hamill especially well, i think kids, you know younger i think that's pretty typical of any cartoon though like think yeah, of, yeah, I'm not think about any cartoon series that you've watched. Like chances are you don't know who the hell voiced any of them, and as a kid you don't care either, right? You know, maybe us as adults going back and watching these, we we kind of do care, especially a series like Batman the Animated Series that ran several years and has had such a lasting impression of a lot of people. I mean, being the 25th anniversary, I'm I'm watching on Twitter and there's a lot of people talking about how much this influenced. Like their comic book reading and like things they enjoy from Batman, that you know that wasn't possible beforehand. I mean, maybe Batman sixty six, but you know, like we talked last episode, a lot of people kind of don't like Batman sixty six because of the camp, right? So you know, it really it had been from from the time that series ended until the animated series began, there was nothing outside of the comics to influence what people thought of, of the characters. And, I mean, there, there's a few comic stories you could say are maybe iconic and important milestones for Batman history, like uh, The Dark Knight, uh, Frank Miller. But outside of that, like, for a long time, the, the Batman comics were kind of... They were pretty crappy. You know, they, yes. weren't, they weren't selling very well. They were maybe not even in the top 100 sometimes. So yes. That's well, a not, there was a point in, before... TV show came out I think in 64 DC was actually considering canceling Batman right they were actually considering canceling the title because it was just not selling and nobody seemed interested in it yeah I think at one point they had talked about combining it with detective I think so yeah Yeah. I don't remember exactly yep and the TV show sort of revitalized it and made it popular again and then it sort of kind of waned and then the 1989 film 
sort of brought it back again. And that's where I think you really started seeing, you know, the, they talked about a lot about the series was heavily influenced, especially the, the dark nature of everything, especially the, uh, the weird gothic scenes of the, of Gotham city mm-hmm. was heavily influenced by Tim Burton's films. Well, and that was a big risk too, right? Having Tim Burton come on. Cause I think all he yes. had done before that was Pee Wee's Playhouse. <laughs> yes. So, you know, like you got to have a lot of trust in the guy to think he can go from Pee Wee's Playhouse to this. You know, like no. there, there, there was no Beetlejuice. No, God, he's done a million movies by now. I love Tim Burton movies, but they do have that very odd aesthetic. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Oh, there was all kinds of. There's all kinds of. I remember it. Of course, when they announced Michael Keaton as Batman, everybody was like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because he was Mister Mom. Yeah, exactly. And you know, he. But the thing about it, it's funny. It's been that way with every character, every person they have cast as Batman. There's always an initial, you know, what the hell are you people thinking? And in most cases, you know, afterwards, people well, accept it. And and not just Batman, because I mean, think about Wonder Woman recently. Oh yeah, when they cast Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman, everyone's like, "There's no way she can do it. She's too small. She doesn't have boobs." You know, right. And now, like, who else can you see being that character? I mean, I could see a few people being that character, but I think she did a fantastic job, and that, that's always been the same with Batman. And uh, I'm not, I'm not the biggest Michael Keaton Batman fan. Everyone knows this. Matter of fact, my wife hates comics, but the one comic book related thing we always argue about is Batman Keaton as Batman or Michael Keaton as Batman. Because I just, I, I don't. I don't like his Bruce Wayne. Yeah, it's... And I remember Tim Burton, and boy, we're getting off topic, but this is okay. Um, I remember Tim Burton talking about one time why he cast Keaton, because everybody said he's not big. Because he's like 5'11", something like that. He's not big, he's not beefed up like a lot of guys. Mm-hmm. He doesn't fit. And Tim Burton was saying, that's exactly what I wanted. Right. The way I envisioned Bruce Wayne, that's why he has the suit. That's why he has the gadgets. That's why he has the technology, because he's not just a bruiser. And I can see a little bit of what he's talking about. But, yeah, his his Bruce Wayne, because that's always the interesting thing about, because um, I'm kind of the same way with Christian Bale. I liked Christian Bale's Bruce Wayne. I did not like his Batman. <laughs> 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 Particularly the voice, which got worse with each film. I mean, that, yeah, that is, uh, yeah, yeah. But anyway, that's my own personal. I, I, I do love those films, though, and I think Dark Knight. Great films. I think Dark Knight is one of my favorite uh, Batman movies of all time. Oh, so. absolutely. The only the only real criticism I think with Christian Bale was his voice, which just seemed to get more ridiculous with each movie. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's kind of become the thing, right? So, if you, I don't know if you watch uh, Gotham on Fox. But uh, that's that's oh, the yeah. voice that Commissioner Gordon or whatever Detective Gordon uses. He uses the growly Batman voice, you know. Yeah. Um, and I think I think ever since the original '89 Batman, that's kind of been the thing, just to have a growly Batman voice. And and that's why I like the animated series though, because the way Kevin Conroy does it, he does have a little pizzazz to his voice, but. 
I think you can identify the same person doing Bruce Wayne and Batman in the animated series. Whereas in the movies, maybe that's not as clear because they try to mask the voice so much. Yeah, and my point of, my whole point in this was, look, this is Batman. We're talking, we're already having to suspend disbelief on <laughs> so many levels. Give the voice a rest. I mean, yeah, make it, make it change it a little bit, but you don't have to go to the real extreme. I, I really like what they're doing with the movies now with Ben Affleck, with the electronic modulated mm-hmm. his voice. I think that, okay, so that, that, now you've got it right. Cause that, it doesn't sound ridiculous. And it, it seems to fit. So I, I like what they're doing with that. Yep. I agree. I agree. Let's get back to this episode. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think this all came out of you talking about the Joker's voice being very lyrical and it is, it it's, is. Yeah. It's, and I remember, and I've seen interviews with both Mark Hamill and Kevin Conroy. And one of the things that Conroy brings up all the time was how interesting it was to watch Mark Hamill work as the Joker. Mm. Because they were all in the studio sitting at tables and they could see each other. Like, like, like they were each in a different booth, kind of a soundproof booth. And everyone is sitting down except Mark Hamill. And he's mm. always standing. And Conroy said you could watch him and he would get so into this role that his face would become distorted and contorted. He said it was actually pretty creepy watching him become the Joker while yeah. he's doing this. Yep. Yeah, I could, I could see that. And I, I've seen some clips of him in the sound booth. Uh, and, and it's very interesting to watch. I think that plays out a lot to the way the characters are portrayed, though. And... Uh, I mean, what what do they say? Like seventy uh, percent of language is nonverbal, something like that. And I mean, how how are you going to convey that if you're sitting down holding a microphone? You know what I'm saying? Like uh-huh. you need to be able to move around and and embody that character in order to successfully portray it. I think. And I think that's why his representation of the Joker is is so powerful. Yeah, you know, and if, if if you look at other representations of the Joker, by the way, you don't have to be like overly lavish in the way you present yourself. I mean, look no. at look at the Dark Knight, right? Like everything's very subtle. There's like a couple facial tics, and that's about it. Like in terms of body language, he's very still and hunched over, and that's that's about it. But yeah. it, but but you get a lot of the the performance out of the facial expressions and the way that the lines are read. Yeah, agreed. Yep. Anyways, we all know Mark Hamill's the best. Best Joker ever. By far. Kevin Conroy, best Batman ever, by far. I agree, except I gotta tell you though, when I'm if I'm reading comic books and the Joker's in that, Mark Hamill's voice is not what I hear in my head when I'm reading the Joker. Um for me know, for me know. it depends. For me it depends. So if it's like a, a darker, grittier story, then I agree. Uh, to me, it's a little more slow and calculating. But for slightly more upbeat stories where there's maybe more jokes being told, I, I do still hear Mark Hamill. Interesting. Matter of fact, all the, all the Golden Age stuff that I'm reading now, I kind of hear Mark Hamill. Uh, maybe, yeah, not, maybe in a I... deeper voice, but... That certainly seems to fit. Yeah. Yep. So, Christmas with the Joker. 
you know what? The lyricism fits because we start off with a song. <laughs> yes. One of my favorite songs of all time. I was going to say the song every one of us heard as a kid. Yeah, I was going to say it, it, one of the most iconic things. And matter of fact, it's funny because my my daughter just recently started watching Batman the Animated Series with me. She's seven. Um, because she, know, she knows I like Batman and like she wanted to watch a movie and I was like, yeah, I don't want to watch that. I was like, let's watch this. And she'd be like, no, nah, I don't want to watch that. Let's watch that. So like we started watching uh, Spider-Man the Animated Series, the Spider-Man Unlimited, I think it was. Um, we started watching that. She really liked it. She's like, let's watch. She was slipping through the videos and she saw the animated series. She's like, let's watch Batman the Animated Series. And I said, hell yeah, let's do that. And we watched this episode and she was singing along to it, never having seen the episode before. Hmm. And oddly enough, a few weeks ago, apparently they were singing this song at her uh, daycare. So during the, <laughs> during the summer, she was in daycare, and, and they started singing it. And I'm talking like, you know, five, six, seven-year-olds who have never seen this before, and they knew the song. Like, I'm sure they maybe knew it because somebody, like an older brother or something, maybe you know, sang it to somebody, and they remembered the song. Because it's, it's a very simple song, and it's funny. Yeah. And I think, you know, kids kind of relate to that. So it was, it was funny hearing my seven-year-old sing uh, Batman Smells, Robin Laid an Egg, <laughs> you know, because I remember watching this and like when I was, so when this came out, I was 11, I guess. So I don't know what is that, 10th, 5th grade, 5th grade, 4th grade, 5th grade, 6th grade, something like that. Yeah. But like everybody was singing this song all the time. And even then, I'm sure like people that weren't watching the series you know, so I thought that was fascinating. Anyways, but yes, it's the uh, the, the you know the Batmobile, lost the wheel, the Joker got away song. Um, that that first came out in in this episode, and it's 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 not the best episode, but there's a lot of memorable moments, and I think uh, I think that song is is definitely one of them. Agreed. Um, so so the Joker starts singing. It's Christmas time. He he apparently has taken over the TV station. In Gotham City. Yes. Before all that, we also get a setup about Batman and Robin. Because Batman wants to go around the city, make sure that there's no crimes being committed on Christmas Day. Understandable. And Robin's like, come on, dude. Like, it's Christmas. You know, even, even like, gangsters and, and robbers and villains take Christmas off. And Batman's like, look, we need to scout the city, make sure it's safe. And so they're doing that. Nothing's happening. Finally, he sees a woman who it looks like she's going to get mugged uh, by a guy. And that's not at all the case. He actually goes to return her purse in the Christmas spirit. And finally, after he sees this, he's like, okay, we'll, we'll go to the house. And Alfred's making goose because rich people eat geese, I guess. I don't know. Well, maybe, maybe Alfred's Britishness coming through. There oh, too. yeah. That, that could be it. That could be it. And- the, it was also funny too that opening scene is like they start to go home and Bruce is like he's acting almost pissed off that there's nothing to do out there that there's no crime because <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't want to go home and be cheerful and, and <laughs> you know he's, he's he's playing up the you know moody Bruce Wayne 
But but that's why you get some of the humor, right? So Robin ends up being the comedic element because he's like, "Hey, let's just just go back to the mansion and watch It's a Wonderful Life." And and Batman's like, uh, "It's not that wonderful a life." Like it, he's like, "Is this like a sappy story?" He's like, "I'm not in the mood for a sappy story." Yeah, I think the line he said, "It's not incessantly cheerful." Is yeah, it? there you go. That's it's, what it was. It's not, <laughs> <just>. <laughs> uh yeah, it was funny. And Robin's like, ah, you humbug. That was cool. Uh, anyway, so there's there's no crime. There's no crime. So they go back to Wayne Manor, and Robin puts on the TV because they're going to watch It's a Wonderful Life. I don't. They don't still show this on TV every year, do they? They do. Do I they really still? They're down. They used to do it years ago several times. I think they're down to once a year. They do one night a year. And it's on NBC or something like that. I can't remember. Okay, interesting. Yes, they still show it. Yeah, yeah. So, so I remember this because I think it's been the case for like forty years that they've played this movie every year. And uh, he he's not too keen on watching it, you know, because he he's Batman. He's he's a tough guy. But of course, it's not playing on TV because the Joker's taking over the TV station, and he sings his little song, and he's got a plot to uh, give Batman hell on Christmas Day. And that's kind of what happens the rest of the episode. So the Joker has Donner and Blitzen, which are two of his henchmen, plant a bomb at the President's Bridge. He has kidnapped Commissioner Gordon. Uh, What does he call him? The... Oh, God. What does he call him? Like something, Something crime family... Oh God! I the wish lawful, I the lawful. There you family. go. The lawful family, the lawful family, which is uh, Commissioner Gordon. It's uh, Harvey Bullock, and Summer Gleason. Right, the reporter. The reporter. Yep. Um, he kidnaps those three in an attempt to lure Batman out. Right. So he's like, "You need to come find these people before you know, I kill them." Basically. I don't know if he ever explicitly says he's going to kill him because this is a kid's show, but... Oh, he does, yeah. Does he? Yeah, because he, he... Actually, he doesn't say it so much. He says, they have to be here by midnight or... And then he does that... Oh, yeah, that's right. That symbol of, you know, raking his finger across his neck like... Yep. You know, like they're going to get... So, yeah, he, he definitely implies that they're going to be offed by midnight if he's not there. So, of course, Batman and Robin go and try to stop the train. Uh, Summer Gleason's mom is on the train, so Joker, of course, makes a joke about it. And uh, Robin unlatches the, tra- the passenger cars from the, uh, the engine. Batman goes to the engine to get the conductor out. The, the passenger cars stop, but the en- engine car actually falls over the bridge and blows up. But fortunately, nobody was killed. And using his gadgetry, Batman figures out that Joker is at the Gotham Observatory on uh, Mount Gotham. And they go there to find out what the deal is. And Joker's not there. But there's a big jack-in-the-box that's also a radio. And uh, he talks with the Joker. And Joker's getting pissed, right? Because Joker, Joker wants to be found. Yes. Because he has no family... And so the way that he feels is best for him to spend Christmas is with his arch nemesis, the Batman. And I thought that was really interesting. 
Yeah, and it's it's played up there, and I and there, and you see that in a lot of things in the comics as well, uh, especially in uh, uh, New Fifty Two, that arc in game mm-hmm. where I'm not giving out any spoilers. Suppose where Bruce Wayne and Joker actually die at the end of this. I mean, you know, they they express some of this kind of almost a camaraderie, right? Because they are yin and yang. There's no question about it. You know, there's no Batman without Joker and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Yep, you're right. But yeah, you definitely see that. He's definitely wanting Batman to to find him. Yep. So he's like, well, maybe I'm just not giving you enough clues. And so he brings out what, what what's the doll called? The Betty something doll. Betty Betty Blooper. Which Betty is a, Blooper. Yeah, it's a playoff of Betty Boop, which yeah. was a famous cartoon, early twentieth century. Yep. So as a result, Batman figures out, oh, they have to be at the old toy factory where they made the Betty Blooper door, dolls. Let's go there and see what's up. And so they go there, and of course, the Joker is there. And Batman and Robin managed to let go of uh, Gordon and Bullock and, and Gleason and go after the Joker and end up catching him. And then they're yes. able to go back to Wayne Manor. And luckily, Inspector Gordon or the, uh, Commissioner Gordon had a tape of It's a Wonderful Life. So they popped the tape in and watched that. And uh, then we see the Joker in Arkham Asylum. Yes. And that's the end of the episode. And I said there was a lot of interesting humor in this. Like the cornball part was when they were at the, when they found the Joker at the toy factory mm-hmm. and they were being attacked by those little model planes. <laughs> Batman picks up a baseball bat and he starts whacking them all in directions. And Robin, of course, has to make the joke they don't call you Batman for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that was funny, and that actually reminded me of a of a, an issue that I recently read. I think it was in Batman number four. Uh, one of the stories, Robin's reading like a fairy tale book, and he falls asleep, and so he imagines being in this land of giants and like little people, and the giants go attack the town of little people, and of course they're little, so their planes are little. And they're, like, flying around these little tiny planes, and the giants are just, like, batting them with their hands or whatever. <laughs> like, that kind of reminded me of this, uh, which which I dug. I, I like that, like, weird, nonsensical stuff, you know? It's fun. It's fun. Oh, it is. And it was, like I said, there was a lot of it in this. I mean, the other thing I thought was humorous was when they got to the observatory, uh, Joker had converted the telescope into this giant <laughs> cannon. <laughs> <laughs> Firing at them from all directions. <laughs> so, so you got to think about that. Where is the Joker getting money to do all this? Because he plants like laser cannons all around the observatory. He turns the actual telescope into a cannon. Well, that's the same. I heard that same criticism, you know, with the Killing Joke. It's like, okay, where did get Joker get the money to buy that amusement park uh-huh. and do all that, convert all that stuff? But like I said, this is one of the areas where you just got to let go and let it, you know. <laughs> Go with it. Yeah, suspend. just roll with the punches. Yeah. Yep, I agree. I agree. Uh, anything else you want to say about this episode? Uh, just, again, want to reiterate how great the animation is. Mm-hmm. And I did a little bit of research, because we were, I think, we were talking about, had there been any 
digital elements in this. And as far as I can tell, no, this was not. This was before digital animation was really uh, mature, mm-hmm. and they actually outsourced the animation of this to about six different animation companies, almost all of them in Asia, India, Korea, different places hmm. to do that. And, you know, just, uh, just love the animation and their rendition, their rendering of the Batmobile, still one of my favorites. Yep. I love this Batmobile. It's yep. the art deco style that they use. It's just clean lines, simple shapes. And this Batmobile, it's like three times longer than it is wide. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's cool because it it definitely looks like you're watching something that's happening in the 30s and 40s. Right. Uh, But obviously it's not. And then, you know, you you look at the gadgetry. It's it's definitely not based on the gadgetry. Um, But just based on, on costumes and the architecture and the automobiles, yeah, yeah. And that's the other thing I like. If you notice, he uses the old style batarang. Mm-hmm. You know, where it, the batarang that loops around whatever he's. Yep. It's not just the. Uh, not just the bat the, symbol. Not just the bat symbol, or or the higher higher tech stuff he uses in the films and mm-hmm. stuff today. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Overall, it's this is not my favorite episode, but uh, but I think it's a fun one. It's a fun one. I, just, I, I tend to agree. You got to take it for what it is. I mean, it's like I think it was a, it was a Christmas episode. And they said let's just have some fun with it. Yep. Good stuff. The uh, the yeah. next time we get together, we're going to be talking about nothing to fear from uh, September fifteenth, ninety two, and that's Scarecrow. Yes. So that's definitely should be interesting. an interesting one of my favorite villains. He's definitely a. a was consider him a second tier villain, but still one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. All right, that's going to wrap it up for us on this one. You can find Jay at Jay Forgets. He is also on the Best of the Rest podcast, so check that out. I'm of course at Geekvine, and uh, just go to the website, get more uh, more episodes of all the podcasts, NerdLegion.com. That's it for us today.